0: Choir Orchestra. Beth. A few years ago, Mr. Hooper, a character on Sesame Street, died. They were concerned as to what they were going to tell the children who watched the show about his death, so they consulted psychologists to ask them. The psychologist said, don't say that. He got sick and died because they would then be fearful that if they got sick, they would die. Don't say that he got old and died because they think their parents are old, so they would be fearful that they would die. Don't say that he died and went to heaven because we don't want to bring religion into the equation, so they decided that they would say he's gone he won't be back, and we'll miss him. When Jesus was crucified, most people did not expect him to be back. There are three primary groups that did not believe in the resurrection. First of all, the hedonists. They didn't believe in the resurrection because their focus was on this life. Their focus was on today. That you enjoy "...the pleasures of today without regard for tomorrow or concern about eternity." Their theme was, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Then there were the pantheists. The pantheists believed that everything is God and God is in everything. So when one dies, they then merge with God, thus there is no reason for a resurrection." The third group were the Platonists. Plato is believed to have fostered the idea of dualism, which is the idea that everything that is physical is intrinsically evil. Everything that is spiritual is good. So the idea then of a bodily resurrection would be repugnant to them because they believed the goal of life was to escape the physical or the body. Well, today we're going to look at John's description of the resurrection in John chapter 20, beginning in verse number 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter, therefore, also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet... They did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. My dad and Linda's parents are buried in the same cemetery in Iowa Park, Texas. In fact, they're buried next to each other. Last year, Linda and I, my brother and sister, met at that cemetery To pay our respects to our parents as I read this passage of scripture I began to think what would my reaction have been had those graves been empty when we were there last year well you see that's what happened here when the women went to the tomb on that Easter morning they arrived to discover that the tomb of Jesus was empty There are various responses we see in this story to the empty tomb of Jesus. First of all, there was a casual consideration. You'll look at verse number 5, and the Bible says, And stooping in and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there. The word saw that is used there referring to John, that John saw. But the Greek word is blepo, which means to see To look at, to glance, it is a casual observation or consideration. So when John came to the tomb, the tomb was empty and he just sort of glanced around to see that it was empty. That same word is used in verse number one concerning Mary Magdalene. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away same word so it means to glance it means a casual consideration of it now I, I know this morning that there are some of you who have a casual interest in the story of the resurrection you have a casual interest in this you've heard it before and so you're here this morning but there's sort of a casual interest but that's all it reminds me of the story of a a, a lady who was ill, couldn't go to church on Easter Sunday, so her husband went without her. When he came home from church, she began to quiz him, asking him about the service and so forth. And so she said, was Mrs. Jones there? He said, yes, she was. What did she have on? "I, I, I don't know. Did you see Mrs. Smith? Yes, she was there. What was she wearing? How would she have her hair fixed? I, I really don't know. Did you see Mrs. Johnson? Yes, she was there too. What was she wearing? I don't know. She said, Jim, sometimes I wonder why you even bother to go to church. <laughs> now, I know that there are some here today who are more interested in what someone else is wearing you're more interested in an easter egg hunt or what you're going to do for lunch than you are anything else there is a casual consideration that's what the word means concerning John when he arrived it was a casual consideration he just sort of glanced around but then there is scrutiny look at verse number six Simon Peter therefore also came following him and entered the tomb and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there. The word beheld that is used means to examine, to study, to theorize. It is the idea of being discerning. So when John came, he looked around sort of casually and saw that the tomb was empty. When Peter got there, he is scrutinizing. What does it mean? Now the tomb is empty, the grave clothes are lying there, so what does this all mean? Well I think he would have concluded that no one stole the body because had someone stolen the body they would not have unwrapped it and then stolen the body. But because the grave clothes were there he would conclude that no one stole the body. He had not swooned as it came to be believed later. There were those who said that Jesus really wasn't dead, that he just swooned and the coolness of the tomb resurrected him or brought him back to life. and So he really wasn't dead at all. But in Jewish custom, they used a 100 pounds of spices when someone died to tuck in the folds of the grave clothes and so forth. So, Had Jesus swooned and come back around, then there would have been spices and seeds that were scattered around the tomb, but there were none. So he is scrutinizing. What does this mean? My guess is there are some of you today who may be in that position. You're asking the question what does it all mean? Was it a miracle? Was Jesus actually brought back to life? Was it a miracle? Was it a hoax? Maybe it's just a hoax that has been perpetuated through the ages. Or what difference does it make? It happened 2,000 years ago, so what difference does it make? And so there is scrutiny. What does this mean? The third response I see is doubt. Look at verse number 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas may have wanted to believe, but he had doubts. When the women came to the disciples and told them that Jesus was alive or that the tomb was empty, they also had doubts. The Bible says in Luke twenty four eleven, and these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Possibly today there are some of you who have doubts about the resurrection. That's okay. There's not anything wrong with having doubts as long as as it is an honest doubt. You might say, well, what does that mean? Well, if it's honest, you want to know. See, if your doubt is dishonest, you really don't want to know. But if it's honest, you do. So as I look, I see that there were doubts, and then I see faith. Look at verse number 8. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. Now, this is speaking of John. You remember in verse number five, it was a casual consideration. But the word that is used in verse number eight means to see with understanding, to know. So John then came with a casual consideration, but now then he has moved to faith. There are some of you who may have doubts today. It's okay. It's my prayer for you that you come to know, that you come to faith. So as I look at the reactions to the empty tomb, there was casual consideration, there was scrutiny, there was doubts, and then there was faith. But what are the results of it? What does it mean to us today? Jesus rose from the dead? So what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you today? Well, first of all, it means comfort. Look at verse number 15. The Bible says that Jesus said to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. You see, Mary came in despair, believing that Jesus was dead, not expecting him to be back. And then she heard his voice. Then she recognized her name. And now she knows that Jesus is alive and her heart was comforted. There was comfort that came to her because of the resurrection. The disciples were comforted. Look at verse number 19. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. You see, the disciples at this point were fearful for their lives. Jesus had been arrested. Jesus had been crucified. If they did that to Jesus, then what would they do to them? So they were fearful, but then as a result of the resurrection, they understood that death has no power. They understood that Jesus was alive and death had lost its power, and they were comforted. Ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection gives great comfort to us. I was speaking with a member of our church last week, I think it was. His mother had died, and so I called to express our sympathies to him. And he said, we are celebrating because Mama's gone to be with Jesus. I know where she is. See, that's what the resurrection means. There is comfort that comes because death has been defeated. So what is the result of the resurrection? There's comfort. There's joy. Look at verse number 20b. The Bible says the disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They rejoiced when they saw the living Lord. Folks, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? It means joy. We have joy because he removes our fear. Well, we have a lot of fear today, don't we? Fear about the future. There are some of you who are fearful concerning the future because you don't know what your health is going to be. You don't know what your finances are going to be. You don't know what your family is going to need, what they are going to do. And so there's a lot of fear about the future. But he holds the future. There are some of you who are fearful about life and life can be frightening, but he is the author of life. There are some of you who are fearful about death and you anticipate that I'm getting close to to the end and you're fearful about death, but Paul wrote, oh death, where's your victory? Oh death, where's your sting? So what does it it mean? It means that we have joy. We can have joy because he removes our fear. We can have joy because he provides for us the power we need for life. I look at the disciples and when Jesus was arrested, they fled because they were fearful for their lives, but the resurrection changed everything and then they became people of power. And the Bible says that they turned the world upside down. Those fleeing disciples, they went out to impact the world and it has never been the same because their lives will change, God provide them with power. The Lord gave resurrection power to the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. My friend, the resurrection means that God's power is available to you. And he provides us with all the power we need for life so we have joy. We have joy because he promises us his presence. One of my favorite stories, I guess, because one of my favorite prophets is Isaiah. I love reading Isaiah. But it came at a time when Uzziah the king had died. Everyone was fearful. What are we going to do? The king is dead, so what will we do? And the Bible says that Isaiah went into the temple that day and he announced I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Is that not a blessing? I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The king is dead, but I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The Lord was present with him. I read the story of Job and all the sufferings of Job, and, and you know what that he went through. You know the stories how he lost everything. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. He lost his health. He lost it all, and yet there was joy in his life. Because of the presence of God in his life. Let me say to you, and I I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I'm sure that there are a lot of people today who are going through real struggles in life. There's some issues that you are facing that are overwhelming to you. I want you to know if you know the Lord that he is with you. He is present with you. And he will be present as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it mean to us that Jesus rose from the grave? It means comfort that my heart is comforted. I find comfort because he is alive. I have joy because of his power, because of his presence with me. But there is also a responsibility that goes with it. You see, when the Bible says, come see, it also says, go tell. That's what Jesus said to Mary in verse number 17. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. He said, Mary, I don't want you just clinging to me. He says, but go tell the disciples. Go tell them the good news. The disciples were to go tell in verse number 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. The disciples were to go tell. That's what the church is to do. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The Christian theology in plain language wrote, A church. Without evangelism is a contradiction in terms. Just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Have you experienced the resurrected Lord in your own life? It is expected then that you'll tell others about Jesus. Go tell. Come see Go tell. The results of the resurrection, comfort, joy, and then we have a responsibility. Then there are some reflections on the resurrection. Two strong messages of hope. The first is the resurrection means that life is victorious over death. Jesus defeated death. The best explanation of the empty tomb is the resurrection. Oh, I know there are, a lot of, there are a lot of platitudes that are given. There are a lot of explanations that are offered. But the best explanation of the empty tomb is the resurrection. And the Bible says that there were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 through 7, Paul wrote, He appeared to Cephas or to Peter, then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. If you want evidence, eyewitness evidence of the resurrection, the Bible says that he appeared to 500 at one time. Paul said most of them are still alive. In other words, if you want to go and interview them, if you want to go and talk with them and hear their testimony, most of them are still alive. You can go and talk with them. The resurrection of Jesus gave life to the disciples I read an encyclopedia that said the change in the fleeing disciples to bold confessors was an even greater miracle than the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So what does it mean? Life over death. It means that Jesus gives you and I life over death. The empty tomb also reminds us that good ultimately triumphs over evil there's victory over sin because the scripture says it's the cross that all of my sins were placed on him, that all of your sins were placed on him. So when he died on the cross, he paid for our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and Jesus paid the wages of sin. So all of my sin placed on him and he gives me victory over sin. He gives me victory over grief. We already saw in verses 19 and 20 how Jesus appeared to the grieving disciples and they became joyful or they rejoiced as a result of it because he gave them victory over grief and he gives us victory, listen, over guilt. There are some of you who are carrying great guilt in your life today and Jesus gives us victory over guilt because he forgives us. He died on the cross to offer us forgiveness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus then forgives me, but then he goes further than that and does what only God can do, you and I cannot. He forgives our sin. He forgets our sin. Now I've had people to tell me before that, if you really forgive someone, it means that you forget. No, it doesn't. I can't forget. When someone has done me wrong, I don't forget that. What it means is that I treat them as if they had not done me wrong, even though I know they did. But God can forget. Because the scripture says in The Psalms, our sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. Jeremiah wrote, God would remember our sins no more. Micah said, God would bury our sins in the deepest sea. And Paul said, God would forgive and cover our sins. Good ultimately triumphs over evil because Jesus forgives our sins when we ask him. And he forgets our sin. Now let me conclude. How do you respond to the resurrection? Some of you have a casual consideration. You're here today and I'm glad you came. But it's just a casual consideration, a casual interest in the story of the resurrection. Some of you are scrutinizing what the Bible says. What does it mean? Was it a hoax? Was it a miracle? Does it matter? And so today you are scrutinizing because you want to know. Some of you doubt, and I understand that. There's nothing wrong with doubting. As long as you're honest. As long as you're an honest doubter. Because the Lord then will reveal to you in your heart the truth of the message. Or maybe you'll respond today in faith. Say, I believe, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross that he was buried and he rose from the grave and I'm willing to commit my life to him as Savior and Lord. His resurrection gives us hope. Dr. W.A. Criswell, long time pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas, was on a flight, seated next to a well-known theologian. And the man seated next to him told Dr. Criswell that his son had recently died from meningitis. He told him the story. He said the boy was in the hospital. And he looked up to his dad and he said, Daddy, it's getting dark, isn't it? And the dad said, yes, it's, it's very dark. And the boy said, I, I guess it's time for me to go to sleep, isn't it? And his dad said, yes, son, it's time for you to go to sleep. And the boy said, good night, daddy. I'll see you in the morning. And he died. The father said, Dr. Criswell, I can hardly wait till the morning. Morning is the promise of the resurrection. The morning comes after night. Before there was a resurrection, there was a crucifixion. So morning follows the night. He gives us life over death. He gives us hope over despair. And he gives us heaven over hell. This morning in my devotion time, as I was reading, I came to Hebrews 2, verse 14 and read this verse. Through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil that is exactly what jesus did through his death and resurrection he rendered satan powerless over you and you have the opportunity of being born again of being forgiven of having a new life by faith in jesus do you know him have you committed your life to jesus Because that's our prayer today, that if you have not, you will. Our Father in God, as we come to this time, remembering the resurrection, the sacrifice that was made, the victory over death. Lord, I pray for those present who have never come to know Christ. Maybe they're good people, maybe they're not. Maybe they're religious, maybe they're not. But Lord, today I pray for those who have never come to know Christ, that they would commit their lives to him. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Just in a moment, we're going to stand, the choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. The staff will be here to receive you. If you never trusted Christ, would you come today? If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing, you come. I greet you as you do. standing. Happy Easter. I hope this is a wonderful day for you. Our Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus who gave his life, rose from the grave that we might have everlasting life. We thank you for the power of God demonstrated through the resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray.